Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. This morning, as you get ready to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, I'll be reading from there today. It's an honor to have our pastor friends from Trinity Chapel in Thorntown today, Pastor Sam and Terry Westmoreland. We are honored to have you right here. Longtime friends in the ministry. They serve not only as pastors for uh, the Trinity Chapel Church, but they also serve as district presbyters for the Pentecostal Church of God here in Indiana. And we are honored to have you here today as part of our congregation, of course, uh, as our friends. And we love you so much. I've been on the road this past couple weeks. Pastor Bev and I have been back and forth and some of our uh, ideas of how we would take care of some things that were what I call duty and responsibility. Uh, back and forth to Ohio, my mom and dad who lived in the same house for about 55 years, uh, making a transition, moving from one house to another. How many would uh, agree with me that if you've lived in a place for 55 years, you've probably collected a few things? So it has been with great joy. <laughs> Sometimes it's a job before it's ever a joy that we've tried to help get them transitioned and today they will move all the heavy stuff. My nephews will help them today. It's been two weeks of solid back and forth and I just felt, you know, the responsibility uh, as a son to make sure that, that, that I could do my part. And I'm thankful that my parents are living, thankful that they're in the ministry been pastoring over 35 years and doing a wonderful work under the Lord. They, uh, they wore me out this week. But I will tell you that even though it was a lot of work, I, I ate pretty good. And, uh, you know, when mom starts cooking, she starts making good food. And um, you just, it just never know what she's going to put together. But I didn't hurt or suffer for eating. I was blessed, but as I was traveling, you know, last Sunday, I come home from Ohio and I was here and the Lord had spoke to my heart that quitting was not an option. And I, I just felt that that was a word for this body. And you don't never know who's watching or who's listening or who is in the building that needs to hear a word from the Lord. And I don't think you came here today just to do something. You came here with an expectation for God to do something in you so he can do something through you. The Lord spoke to my heart this week and as I began to prepare for this Sunday morning on this thought, bless me when I'm ready. And I want to minister out of Luke chapter 15 this morning. We are more than halfway through 2020. I remember when we entered into 2020, we established that we would continue the theme room, and now we've kind of added making room to that. And I remember us declaring that this would be the year of the clear and the year of open-handed blessing, and that God's favor would be with two hands upon us. We prophesied that. I remember in March when when God began to teach us and a prophetic word came into the house that there would be a shift into this season of spring, 
that it might look like a decrease, but God said I would use it as an increase. And I am telling you that God is true to his word. And no matter what we have faced now halfway, more than halfway through 2020, most of us never expected to see what we've seen. We've never expected to experience what we've experienced. It's unusual. It's unprecedented. It's unforeseen. We've never walked this way before. We've never encountered what we're encountering before. But as we journey together, it has been my heart to see you finish well. It doesn't matter how you start. It matters how you finish. And I want to see you finish strong. And it remains my heart to teach you how to stay on track. Everybody yell out, stay on track. A lot of people start good, but they get way off track. I remember the writings that said, you did run well, but who did hinder you that you did not obey this truth? This persuasion came not from him who called you. In other words, you started good, but where did you miss it? And I don't want to see anybody miss it. I want us to stay on track, including myself. People can get off track easily through self-promotion. We can get off track through self-itist, self-induced drama, selfishness, self-leading. We can be get off track pretty easily. But in Luke chapter 15, I want to read two verses of Scripture, verse 11 and 12. Jesus giving parable, in other words, the greatest storyteller that ever lived. The Bible said that Jesus spoke not, lest he spoke in parable. And so anytime God reveals a parable, he's telling an earthly story to reveal a heavenly truth. And he teaches us in Luke 15 about a young man who would be affectionately become known as the prodigal son. And the story of this goes like this. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. I want you to catch this, that it was the younger brother who is known as the prodigal son. You might could call the older brother the faithful son. But the prodigal son, the youngest brother, teaches us that if we get what is ours prematurely, we cannot handle it. The same thing that makes us praise the Father will drive us away from the Father. The younger brother said, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And the Father gave in and gave it to him. And the blessing drove him over the edge. My prayer has always been, Lord, don't give me more than I can handle. I want you to join me in prayer. Father, as we minister grace in this word to your people, 
Let the power of the Holy Ghost fill this place. Let encouragement come to every heart. For we run after you in faith. We trust you. We look with an eye to see what cannot be seen. By faith we take hold. And we believe that what you do in us is more important than what we want to do for ourselves. Holy Ghost, seal the word and let your heart be our heart today. And everybody say amen, amen. in the house. As I was driving back from Ohio, looking at all of the different cars that were whizzing by me in the traffic and all of the orange cones, one of the things that caught my attention is the theme of discouragement that many times we become discouraged when things don't work out for our advantage. Discouragement can creep in secretly. You can become discouraged and nobody even know about it. We try to hide our discouragement. We hide it behind clothes. We hide it behind makeup. We hide it behind hairdos. We hide it behind material possessions. And today we even hide it behind a mask. Discouragement can sneak in secretly. Discouragement is so bold that it'll even hide behind a smile. You might have smiled at people this morning on your way in only to not realize that they were hiding discouragement behind that smile. Discouragement will ride with you to work. And if it doesn't ride with you to work, you can catch a ride coming home from work. And you can bring discouragement right back into your house. Discouragement is no respecter of persons. Discouragement can go into a tent Discouragement can make its way into a garage, an apartment, a house. Discouragement can make its way into subsidized living. It can make its way into Section 8 neighborhoods. Discouragement will make its way into a middle-class house, sit down with you and have a cup of coffee in the morning. Discouragement will make its way into a mansion, sit on the edge of a jacuzzi, put its toes in the water, and tell you that life is not worth living. And if you listen to discouragement, it'll cause you to make bad decisions. It'll cause you to think that life is not worth living. And secretly behind the facade of a smile, behind a good morning, behind a praise the Lord, behind a how do you do, you'll wonder if you're ever going to get out of what you're into. Asking God to deliver you from this disease of discouragement. Allow me if I can to discuss discouragement in the life of the believer. It is a painful thing for a believer to face and deal with ongoing discouragement. Because as we travel from season to season, it's not just the perils that we face, but it's seeing the wicked go forward. 
while the righteous seemingly are held back. Maybe you've never thought about it like that, but sometimes when I see people who are succeeding, who are wicked, who didn't pray nearly as hard, who didn't work nearly as long, who've not been faithful at all, and yet it seems like they have moments of victory. And all of this is right in front of me where I can see it placed in close proximity where I have to watch them be blessed and scratch my head and wonder, God, how do the wicked seem to get ahead? Flaunted in my face, paraded in front of me. And usually it's when I'm fighting a hellish battle of agony and tragedy. Seemingly they're walking in triumph and victory. And if you're not careful, the very sight of their prosperity becomes your agony. It makes you wonder, is it worth it to do right? Is it worth it to live right? Is it worth it to talk right? Is it worth it to act right? You're frustrated seeing them do wrong and seemingly they still prosper. But you're almost begin to despair like David when he said in Psalm 37, when he said, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. In other words, David was saying, don't make a permanent decision over a temporary circumstance because eventually the evildoer will be cut down. And I know sometimes as a believer, as a Christian, as someone who is a Christ follower, that many times we feel the hurt of this world and the pains and infringements of the world press in on us to make us feel like we are a minority and like we are second class and like we are just crazy people who follow Jesus and just believe in some mystical thing called the catching away and the rapture of the church. But I want to encourage you this morning, child of God. You are not alone. God is with you. He is with you in the up. He is with you in the down. He is with you in the sideway. He is with you when you stumble. He's with you when you trip. He's with you when you skin your knee. He's with you when you get up out of bed every morning. He's with you when you have to walk to work and you catch the bus. He's with you when things don't go good, when they haven't given you a raise in two years. Somebody ought to thank God this morning. I may feel like I'm discouraged. It may look like the wicked prosper, but they shall soon be cut down like the grass that withers don't you make a permanent decision based on the term temporary circumstance. Don't allow a moment of agony make you draw a conclusion to life prematurely because if you'll keep walking with God he has a way of making everything alright look at your neighbor and say he'll make it alright but God warns us and declares to us 
In Psalm chapter 37, verse 23, when the psalmist said, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Not long ago, I shared with you on steps. Everybody say steps. The term steps simply implies process. That means it's going to take a while. When God gives you steps, it means process. Say process. It's going to take a while. It means that you can't get to the destination just because you want it, you saw it, or you need it. There is a process. It's called steps. In fact, you can even be tormented by vision. It's painful to be a visionary because a visionary sees what shall be but wakes up to what is. And sometimes a visionary cries out on the inside and says, God, don't even show me what shall be. Because every time I shout and dance, every time I tear the, tear the floor up of what you showed me, I then have to go home to a bleak and a dark reality that it's not yet. So sometimes you, as a visionary, you just want to say, God, don't even show me because I don't want to shout too prematurely. I'm torn between what is and what shall be. And that in itself creates agony for a visionary. I come to preach to somebody today. And the Bible said in Proverbs 13 and 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Do you know that there are moments that I'd rather not know that I'm going to be the king? I can hear Brother David say, I wish you'd have never told me that I was going to be the king if you had had every intention just to send me back to the field to take care of these stinky sheep. Come on, smile at me. I wish we should have never poured oil on my head. I wish the prophet would have never came by and told me what my destiny would be if what you intended for me was to go back and not be the king, but to be the shepherd because God had ordered steps for David. He had ordered a process for David and anything worth having, take takes time to percolate. Anything worth having takes time to marinate in the process of God. God's trying to get you to the king's table. God's trying to process you and bring victory and every ounce and essence of oil in your life so that you can be fit for the master's use. And so you cannot abort the process. He may call you a king today, but you'll still function in the role of a shepherd, doing the mundane thing, doing the things that nobody else wants to do. Who am I preaching to today you got a calling on your life you have a vision inside of you and yet it seems like God why are you teasing me like this why are you calling me this but making me live out over here you show me what shall be but I'm waking up to what is why didn't you just hide that I was going to be a king at least then I could have been satisfied with what I'm presently doing. But because you told me, 
you had more for me. I wanted to quicken my destiny. I wanted to quicken the process so that I could get to my destiny. And now I'm not happy doing what I used to do because I'm tormented about what I want to do. I'm preaching to somebody today. I want to see my expected end. I want things to hurry up. But that can't be done. And here's why. Because a blessing given too soon is not a blessing. Can I say that again? A blessing given too soon is not a blessing. Let me give you an example if I can. I can give my daughter the car keys now. And I can ask her to go to the store. I'll never forget when she got her license. She was itching to go somewhere. Itching to drive. And I was itching for a Frosty. And a peanut butter sundae from DQ. And now she become our professional gopher. As we would hand her the keys and say, well, if you want to go somewhere, run on down here and get us something. She reached a point where we could hand her the keys and give her the keys to the car and ask her to go to the store for us. But had I given to her the keys when she was five, it would not have been a blessing at all. Same car, same daughter, given too soon. She couldn't handle it. The car could handle it. The road could handle it but she couldn't handle it. So I couldn't give it to her. What kind of good father would I be if I gave her a good thing too soon? Sometimes my goodness is proven by my ability to say not yet. I'm preaching to somebody. Sometimes the goodness of God is proven for him to say to you, not yet, not yet. The younger brother, the prodigal son, he wanted what was his. Some people take it, some people inherit it. He teaches us that if we get something prematurely, we cannot handle it. The same thing that should make us praise the father drives us away from the Father. And in our text, the youngest brother said, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And the Bible teaches us that the Father gave in and gave it to him, and the blessing caused him to live life helter-skelter. And my prayer has remained all these years with every blessing that God has entrusted me with to steward. Lord, don't give me more than I can handle right now. There are many people who are grasping for more. They want this and they want that. And could it be that the goodness of God keeps it from us 
so that we are not consumed by it and it doesn't become our destruction. Lord, don't give me more than I'm able to handle. Don't give me more than I'm able to steward. Don't give me more than to make my head get big and I can't fit through the door. Lord, I don't want pride to go before destruction or a haughty spirit before a fall. Don't give me more than I'm able to handle. I feel like preaching that this morning. Don't give me more than I can handle because you know when to bless me and you you know how to bless me and when I'm ready to bless when I'm ready to be blessed you will bless me coming in and bless me going out but God don't give it to me too soon God teach me allow me to understand the process to have patience with whatever it is you're doing most of us don't like the process waiting in line is not something I like to do Gets on my nerves to stand in line too long. Looking at people. You all of a sudden become a people watcher. If you're not careful, you'll take a picture and create a meme. Guilty. I was waiting in line at the at-home store. COVID and all these regulations were out. Everybody was masked up. You could only go one way on an aisle. You'd try to go down the wrong aisle, somebody shoot you the stink eye. Oops, sorry. End up going down the other aisle. All this stuff. I'm standing in a long line, and everybody's six feet apart, and there's this older couple making out in the line. There's children present. Everybody's present. And I'm thinking, my God, are you for real? In fact, I let out, I said, for real? <laughs> then they start giving each other a back rub. And they're massaging each other. And all I could see was that little lady's mask going in and out. She was breathing heavy. And you know what I did? I took a picture of him and posted it on Instagram. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. If you're going to be bold enough to make out at the at-home store in front of me, God, and all these children, we're going to put you on blast. Come on, somebody. I don't enjoy waiting in line. I don't enjoy paperwork, shuffling paperwork. I, it's just not what I like to do shuffle from one person to the next. I don't like robotic phone calls. I don't like uh, having to call somewhere and not talk to a real person. I, I press one, press seven, press eight. Uh, if, you, if you call, if you're a return customer, press two. I'm like, I don't have time to sit here and wait for this robot. I don't, I don't have time for that. I, I want to talk to somebody real. I don't like all that. Come on, somebody. Am I here? I, I just don't like the process. I don't like waiting for that. Somebody call me back. Somebody speak to me and speak to me in a language I can understand. Somebody ought to shout me down right there. I know I'm preaching now. Help me help myself. We don't like the process. 
We don't like the process. We don't like the process. Come on, I shared with you just a few things that get on my nerves and things that I don't care for. If we open the mic today, many of you would express some of the things that you don't particularly care for as well. We don't like the process. But here's what I learned about God. Write this down. I don't want God to order steps. I want God to order a blessing. This is how I talk to God. I don't want, I don't want you to order steps for me. I want you to order a blessing for me. And this is what I'm asking of God. God, I want you to order me healing. I need a healing in my body. Lord, I'm asking you to order for me some prosperity. I'm going to call you up, call you up, tell, them, tell you what I want. I want prosperity. I want healing. I want victory. I want deliverance. I want to walk in the overflow. I want new houses, new lands. Come on, somebody. I want the blessings of God to overtake me. I want to be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. I want to be blessed when I come come and when I go I want to be blessed in the storehouse I want the devil to come against me one way and flee from me seven ways I want the blessing of the Lord I want the blessing but God you don't give me the blessings you order steps for me instead of ordering me blessings instead of ordering the things that, that he orders that I will want him to order he orders a step for me he orders a process for me oh I'm about to preach to somebody he didn't just offer a step he ordered a step. He didn't offer you go through this. He ordered you to go through it. For the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. I don't want the steps. Most of us in this room don't want steps. Steps aren't beautiful. You can put carpet on them. I've been to people's homes. They put runners on them. Put lights up underneath them, decorate them, make them look good. But steps are not what we want. Some of you fought to get in that balcony today. <laughs> steps are what we want. But the only reason we have steps is to get us to a higher level. If there was a way for me to get upstairs without using the stairs, I'd do it. If I could afford to put an elevator in my house, which I don't have 60 or 70,000 laying around to put an elevator in my house, then I am forced to take the steps. And I've learned that I have to take one step at a time now. I didn't used to. I used to skip steps. I used to run up steps. It wasn't a problem for me. I ignored the steps. I floated up the steps. I didn't remember knees aching then. I didn't remember a, a back hurting then. I just went up the steps, floated up them swiftly. If someone was slow in front of me, I'd breathe heavy, pop my neck, suck my teeth and pass them by and let them know I'm gonna pass you with 
record time. And I'd bypass them up the steps just as fast as I could go. I ran up steps until I tripped on them. The, te- the steps taught me to respect them. The steps taught me, the process taught me, the steps taught me to respect them. When you bust your lip, it was teaching you respect. When you tripped because you were being goofy, it was teaching you respect. When you fell because you had too much pride, it was teaching you respect. I learned in Ecclesiastes 9-11 that the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong. I've learned when cars would fly by me because I was going too slow for them that I would meet them at the red light and I learned That speed for a moment doesn't necessarily mean progress. When someone flies by you and gives you the tall finger, only for you to meet them at the red light and you want to give it back to them, but you're sanctified. Come on, somebody. Your holiness, come on, somebody. You thought about it, although you didn't do it. But you met them at the same place because to them speed was everything. Getting somewhere fast was everything. I've learned that the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong. I've learned and am still learning to pace myself in the process one step at a time. Ordered of the Lord. Here a little, there a little. One step at a time in this journey called life. I've learned to adapt to cruise control. It has become a friend for me. On the highway, I set my cruise and I go on about my business. And it's a great feeling of not having to rev that pedal and hold that pedal up and down and make everybody sick because I'm weaving up and down and powering it up and powering it down. Now I can set the cruise control and everybody in the cab with me is more comfortable and I'm set myself at a steady pace. I've learned that when you are in a rain or when you are in a curve that you have to learn how to slow down in the race of life. When you are going through the process and God takes you around a curve and something you've never been through, you learn how to slow down. And when the rain begins to pellet against your window and your vision becomes blurred and you cannot see like you once did when the sun was shining and the clouds were pulled back and it was blue and angels and birds and everything 
and rainbows. You, you were flying down the highway and life was good as you were tiptoeing through the tulips. But let a rain come. Let a sickness come. Let a storm come. Let heaviness come. Let a weight come. Let COVID come. Let me preach in here. And all of a sudden, I learned how to take the turn a little bit slower because God is ordering my steps. If I run the race and they're not careful in the process and I try to skip the steps, I'll run off the road. I'll run off into a ditch. Can I preach to somebody today and tell you that God said that he would order your steps? He didn't offer it. He ordered your step. The reason you're going through what you're going through is not to kill you, but to develop you. God's taking you to a whole nother level. There's a reason for the step. He's trying to bring somebody up. I wish I had 30 people that would preach with me this morning to understand that God has a purpose for every step. David said, thy word has become a light unto my feet and a light unto my step. I want to know that I'm in the will of God. I want to know that I'm walking where God wants me to walk. He is ordering my steps in the curve. He's ordering my steps in the rain. And I'm learning to use cruise control and to slow down. Say this with me, God orders those steps. Today, I have to be thankful because I know who ordered the steps. It helps me to understand that I'm not wandering aimlessly, that there is a prescribed course for me to take. And I can't graduate until I take it. There is a path for me to trod, the old time saint said, that God isn't just making this up as he goes. There is an order. Uh There is an order. We've all thought about that from time to time. That's what I've prayed. We prayed to God to make it up our way. Not his way, our way. We prayed to abort the process. We prayed to speed up the process. We prayed for God to take us out of things he wanted us to stay into. We prayed that we wouldn't have to endure some things he wanted us to endure. We were working on the destination, but he was working on us. So sometimes he makes us wait. He makes us slow down to go back and take the steps we skipped. He will bring you back to the steps you tried to skip over. I heard the Holy Ghost say that to me this week. He will bring you back to the steps you tried to skip over in your relationships. Submissive to authority. Your development. He will bring you back to the steps you tried to skip over. Because you don't graduate till you pass the course. And all the things he's using are tools to work on us. Why does God do that? Here's what I know. He's not preparing the blessing for you. He's preparing you for the blessing. 
Look at somebody this morning and tell them he's preparing you for the blessing. Isn't it interesting that the blessing is already prepared? That God already has outlined the blessing, already packaged it, already has it ready. They're ready to ship it to my digits. They're ready to get it to me. So God is not preparing the blessing for me. He's preparing me for the blessing. He's preparing me for the blessing. No wonder the writer said, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, that eye hath not seen and ear hath not heard. It hath even entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. He is preparing me for the blessing that is available to me. Did you know that your blessing is already ready? It's already ready for you. God doesn't have to get it ready. It's already done. The blessing is already there. The blessing is waiting on you to be able to handle what you've got to be able to handle. It's in the steps. It's in the steps. It's in the steps. Let me preach here. It's in the steps. I I have to take every step. I can't skip a step. God said, no, I'm going to make you go back and take the steps again. I got to take every step. It's in the steps. It's in the steps. It's in every step I take that God takes me to a higher place. And if I don't take the steps, he sends me back to take them all over again. And it's not just that I take the steps. It's the attitude in which I climbed the steps. My mom and dad would have to discipline me. And they'd say, go to your room. And I'd do like this. Get on back down them steps. Boy, you better get down them steps. Your parents wear you out without wearing you out. God will make you take the steps. Punch somebody and tell them God will make you take the steps. It's the attitude in which I take the steps. I don't want to be at this church. I don't want to be in this marriage. This job is, I don't like it. They not treat me. I'm no longer the star here. God is trying to get you ready for the blessing. Anytime you get anything too soon, you'll trip on the steps. You want a baby? God's preparing you first to be a parent. You want a wife? God's preparing you to be a good man. So God puts us in process and then he orders our steps. He does everything by steps. Even this service has steps. Some of our conferences and information that we've shared with pastors around the country 
concerning BFWC, how we flow, sometimes the behind the scenes, pastors ask, how do you do this? How do you do that? Why are you doing this? And I remember not long ago, a man wanted to know all the service and how the service flows, and he was surprised that we had a schedule of service. They saw on the schedule that I sent him that we had a certain time that we have the countdown video. See, we don't wait for folks to show up before we start. We start. <laughs> he was surprised that we had a countdown video and then followed by praise and worship and then there'd be a transition video and all these things. You know, those are just steps. He saw the orderliness of our greeters and our ushers and he was amazed because they go to a church that has no steps. And, and I thought to myself, when you don't have much to manage, then you just fly by the seat of your pants. You can say, Sister Agnes, do you have a special? Sister Agnes is coming to sing a special. Come on. Have you ever heard somebody sing a special that wasn't so special? But when you have something larger to run, your structure has to be different. Your order has to be different. Your steps have to be different. You don't drive an 18-wheeler the same way you drive a Volkswagen. You take the curves different, my God. You take the hills different. You take the spins different. In an 18-wheeler, you got to position yourself ahead of time before you get to a, a stoplight, before you come around a curve. You don't ever know who's going to try to cut you off or try to whip past you. You've got to position yourself. When you're driving an 18-wheeler, I'm, I'm trying to help somebody, you drive it different than you drive a Volkswagen. And somebody needs to hear this today because you've been driving a Volkswagen spiritually all your life, zipping in and zipping out and in quick and out quick, and God's trying to pay, get you to pace yourself and, and order your steps to a larger place, to a larger capacity where he can trust you to take it different and to, to position yourself. It's a process. It begins with steps. You gotta learn how to do this over time. If you weren't gonna ever do much, then God would just move you quickly from lane to lane. But my Bible says in Luke chapter 12, for whomever much is given, much shall be required. If you want God to just download something big into your life, into your ministry, or whatever, then much is required. You gotta go through the process to get everything to line up the way that God's wanted. Yes, you can handle it, but can your children handle it? Yes, you can handle it but can your spouse handle it yes you can handle it but do you have enough friends to help you get to where you're going there's got to be adjustments there's got to be line upon line precept upon precept you've got to get up the steps and many times we have to take the steps before we ever get to the stage where God begins to put us on display for the world we have to take the steps. I thought about Joshua, who was Moses' spiritual son, his right hand, chosen 
from his tribe when he was a young man, he started taking steps. He was chosen from his tribe, 12 tribes represented out of Jacob's lineage. They chose one out of every tribe to represent as a spy, to go into the land of promise, to spy out the liberty. Joshua, young at that time, but still considered a leader to be chosen by his own people. But his leadership was a process. He was one of the 12 sent in to spy out the land. When he got there, he saw everything that the other 10 saw, the other 11. But him and Caleb brought back a different report. It was a positive report. When everyone else said the giants are so big, they said God is so big. <laughs> when they said we're like grasshoppers in the eyes of these giants, Joshua and Caleb said we are well able. They had a different report. They begin a process in their life and taking a step. Moses would then come to serve under Moses. Under, Joshua would come to serve under Moses. He would become a son in the faith. Joshua would receive the sword of Moses. And Moses would take his rod of authority to the mountain. And there with his hand raised, they would defeat the Amalekites. But when his arms began to get heavy, the Amalekites would prevail. And while he held the rod of authority, he relinquished the sword to Joshua. And Joshua fought the battle for his spiritual father. It was a process. He had to learn how to be a son to a father. Pastor Wayne has been plowing the field these last two Wednesday nights. Look at your neighbor and say, Pastor Wayne said it's time to grow up. You have to learn how to follow the steps. And then there come a time where he was halfway up the mountain. What do you do when your leader and God has you in a place where you don't get to go to the top of the mountain? They got you in the kitchen. Everybody else is hobnobbing, shaking hands. And you are wearing a smock a mask, a hairnet, come on, stacking chairs and tables. Moses said, Joshua, I'm going to the top to hear from the Lord. I need to hear from God. And he said, Joshua, I want you to go halfway up the mountain. Can God trust you with the steps of being halfway up? You see where you want to be but you're stuck where you are. Because where he was, he could see the glory, but he couldn't get to it. My, my leader is getting, the power of God is just coming all over him. Whoo, the cloud is thick. Whoo, I'd like to be in that. When you're halfway up, you can hear the conversation of two worlds. He could see the world that Moses was in the glory of God and he could see the world that the children of Israel in where Aaron is leading them to construct a golden calf. He's stuck halfway. Sometimes you get in a place where your steps bring you halfway and you don't know what to do. If you're not careful, 
you'll listen to the world more than you'll listen to the glory. God ordered his steps. God ordered his steps. God ordered his steps. And Moses, who was the visionary, struck the rock instead of speaking to it. And God said, because of that, you won't go in. You can see it, but you'll never go into it. The agony of being a visionary to see it and not be able to get it. But he said, Joshua will lead them in. Joshua, who started as a young man, had to take steps to get to the level where God would say, now Joshua, the son of Nun, be strong and of good courage. And I come to deliver that word to you today. Be strong and have a good courage. God is ordering your steps. He reached the place where he could say to the Lord, bless me when I'm ready. When I'm ready, bless me. Father, I pray right now for those that are here and those that are watching, those that are consumed by your word you would speak a word into us again. There are people here today, God, struggling in their emotions, struggling with the steps. But I heard you speak clearly to me. Be strong and have good courage. I come to deliver that to somebody right now. Right now with your eyes closed for a moment. God said to you, be strong and be of good courage. Be strong and be of good courage. Ooh, hallelujah. Be strong and be of good courage. He's speaking to you today. You don't understand the steps that have got you to this one, but God ordered your steps. He didn't offer them. He ordered them. Take every step with grace. Pace yourself. I hear the Lord say, pace yourself. Pace yourself in this season that we are in. We're living in times where strength and courage are required. And this is for someone here today because God sent me to tell you that he has you in a process. Be strong and be of good courage. He is with you. Holy Ghost, seal this word in the heart of your people that today we would have a moment of faith that would flicker in our heart and remind us that you've not forsaken us. You have ordered every step. You are here today. Some of you are broken. You've been hurt and wounded in the battle. You've been utterly cast down, so it seems. But I hear to tell you today that God is the lifter of your head. He is your help in the time of need your strength, and your courage. And today, if you're still breathing, he's not done with you. If you're alive, he's not done with you. He's got a purpose and a plan for you, but it will always require a process. So right now, with your hand lifted to heaven,
Ask God. Ask God to prepare your heart for the process. Lord, I don't understand. Come on now. You may hear today and say, Lord, I don't understand this process. I don't understand why you had me go through this. I don't know the reason behind it, but I know one day I will. But while I'm walking patiently through it, Lord, you said you would order my steps. And I feel courage coming into somebody today. I feel strength coming. It's coming even upon me. I feel the strength of the Lord. Father, we thank you for strength and we thank you for courage. Somebody begin to release your faith right there and begin to trust God at this moment. Let out praise from your mouth and begin to thank God. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 